Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Exploring Faith, the podcast series from the Salvation Army in Morley. If you want to hear more from us, all of our services are streamed live at 10.15 every Sunday on both Facebook and YouTube. Just search Morley Salvation Army. I want to take you back nearly 2,000 years to the temple in Jerusalem, the heart and centre of the Jewish faith the vital symbol around which everything else circled, a hive of activity bustling with people from all over the known world, the place in which it was believed the very spirit of God dwelt. Now picture this scene, if you will. Get your sacrificial animals here, the finest turtle doves in all Judea, buy one, get one free for a limited time only, the best exchange rate for temple currency, guaranteed. I don't know about you, but this feels like it wouldn't be out of place in Monty Python's The Life of Brian. But when Jesus entered the temple, he would have been met by something not too dissimilar. As a territory under Roman occupation, imperial currency adorned with the face of the emperor was circulated throughout Judea. Within the outer court, this unclean money could be exchanged for temple currency. And it wasn't uncommon for those operating the money, bar, the money booths to cheat people, to make a little bit of extra profit for themselves. It is often assumed that the, the point of this story is the injustice of excess profit made in the house of God. But on closer examination, we see it's a battle for inclusion. So what is it about the temple that was so exclusive? Surely the house of God should be a place that, 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 that is accessible to all people. Not exactly. The temple in Jesus' day was designed like a giant filtration system. Firstly, the court of the Gentiles, where anyone of any faith could meet. Beyond that was the court of the women, where anyone Jewish could enter, including women and children. Although, anyone with a visible disability or illness was barred from entry. Next, you had the court of Israel, an area only accessible for Jewish men. Then, the court of the priests, where only the priests could go. Before finally reaching the Holy of Holies, where only the chief priest was, was admitted entry once a year. The effect of this temple hierarchy was that those who were deemed socially unacceptable were unable to meet with God. Yahweh had been made into a private God the God of the Jews, and if you weren't Jewish, you couldn't get to know him. So, what does Jesus do? He could just keep going, move on to the court of, of, of the women or, or the court of Israel, where things will be a little bit quieter in order to proclaim his message. But he doesn't do that. He makes a stand. The court of the Gentiles was supposed to be a place for everyone. But when he sees that people are unable to meet with God, he forcibly makes space, and he isn't exactly subtle about it. Kicking over tables, scattering coins all over the floor. He even uses his belt as a whip to drive the animals out, and possibly some of the salesmen too, without, it's worth noting, actually doing any permanent harm to anyone. Thus ensuring the house of God was once again a house of prayer for all the world to share. 
But Jesus doesn't stop there. In Matthew 21, 14, the blind and the lame who were barred from entering the temple because they were unclean, sought Jesus out and, and, he, and he heals them without need for animal sacrifice. An act that was not only inclusive, but revolutionary. Jesus had come to destroy the stranglehold and announced that the kingdom of God was available to all. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus was an advocate for inclusion. His very birth is testament to the fact that God came for everyone. God didn't stay remote from humanity. He became human and sought out the least, the last and the lost. He was born into a society of apartheid to bring a good news message to everyone, both Jew and Gentile, the young and the old, the slave and the free. Jesus intentionally spent time with and ate with those who the rest of society had rejected and declared unclean. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the Gentiles, the sick and the lame. Through his actions, Jesus was challenging the social and religious fabric of society, tearing it down once and for all through his death on the cross. Another demonstration of Jesus' radical inclusion is his decision to remain in the outermost part of the temple. Here we see Jesus once again turning the tables up on the exclusion machine that had been created by, by the religious and social elite. When Jesus begins to heal and teach, he does so in the outermost area of the temple. This outer court was considered to be the least holy place in the entire temple complex. But Jesus, being truly and properly God, chose to dwell in the place that was regarded the least holy place and transformed it into the holiest of places where everybody is welcome. The focus shifts away from the heart of the temple where only a select few can meet with God to a place where anyone and everyone can come and meet with God. As a friend of mine once said, this is a radical act of inclusion. The stranger gets taught, the sinner gets met, the disabled find healing, the foreigner finds welcome, men, women and children. Nobody is excluded here. So why does this matter to us? If we are to call ourselves Christians, we too should follow the example set by Jesus. Now by no means does this mean going into the next church fair and casting out little old, little old Betty from behind her knitwear and homemade marmalade stall. That's not the point that Jesus was getting at. In the words of Steve Chalk, an intelligent church is an inclusive church. As part of the body of Christ and thus his church, we should be actively fostering the spirit of inclusion, both individually and corporately, so that everyone is able to have a relationship with God. If God meets us where we are at, then surely we should be doing the same for other people. Do we as a church put up barriers that prevent others, others from meeting Jesus? Have we and do we want people to believe behave and then belong. Surely it should be belong first, as through belonging, belief can take root 
and that influences behaviour. That's the Jesus way. If God is incarnational and the church's task is to be part of God's mission, this principle must become ours too. An inclusive church will be a congregation open to all, a community for those displaced. So whose job is it to make our churches radically inclusive? Is it, is it the job of our leaders? An inclusion and diversity steering group, perhaps? No, it's the job of each and every one of us. In a world seemingly becoming more divided, I believe that it is our mission to be agents of radical inclusion in the world. This, after all, is what Jesus asks of us. You are to love the Lord, Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbour in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. If we profess to love God with all our being, but turn a blind eye to those on the margins of society, it is impossible for us to love God with all our being. For if we love God, we must also love others. Let us not become a group of religious elites creating our own filtration system, boxing God up as our own exclusive tribal God, the God of the Salvation Army, only accessible to those that look like us, believe the things that we believe and behave as we do. The Christ that we follow is the God of the addict, the depressed and anxious, the refugee and also the asylum seeker, the homeless and the unemployed, the rejected and those who are despised. Our God is a God for all the nations, a God for all people, and no one is excluded from the kingdom of God, and they are all welcome to sit at his table. God of the poor, friend of the weak, give us compassion, we pray. Melt our cold hearts, let tears fall like rain. Come, change our love from a spark to a flame. Familiar words, I'm sure, but words that carry with them a real challenge. In the coming days, weeks and months, will you, like Jesus, make a stand against exclusion so that all people can come to know God for themselves? Will you be an agent for radical inclusion in your church, in your street and in your town? Let us therefore go forward in faith into, into the world and join in with our missional God, building his kingdom here on earth, a kingdom where all people can belong. Amen.